Welcome to SVU Pod, especially heinous. I'm Gabe. I'm Tasha. We are on season four, episode 10, Resilience. Before we get started, usually we throw these things at the end of the episode, but I wanted to make sure that we did this. Remember last summer when we took like a big old summer break and it was magical and wonderful and we refreshed ourselves? You mean did 98 jello shots oh <laughs> out of <God>. syringes? <laughs> I cannot fucking wait. We need to start planning the next dip fest. Yeah, we do. But we are going to take a little break after this week. It's going to be an itty bitty just because it's mid-ish season. Next week we'll be off and we will be back on July 11th. July 4th is my birthday, so mm-hmm. I'm like really trying to make a thing of it. I I have a party and stuff. It's just, you know, it's also a July 4th get together. But yeah, so we'll be off for that. Any gifts can go to P.O. Box. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Do it. I'm not. It's P.O. Box 176 uh, DeForest, Wisconsin, if you're interested. <laughs> I should have fucking said that for my birthday. God damn it. I know. Any retroactive uh, gifts you want to send to Gabe for her birthday, except for mm. Andrew because he sent a gift. <laughs> but yeah, so we'll be back July 11th. We will be putting out a friendship boat on the Patreon as we always do. But that's that's it because we need a, just a little summer fresh, a little summer refresh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we'll be back. It's not going to be a, we'll it's be not gonna be a long one. So Correct. Just a little guy. Okay, so the opening scene, these two dudes are in a subway. They're talking to each other about some intercom installed in one of their houses. And then you kind of see in the background this disheveled girl and she's kind of looking spaced out and like weird and her clothes are all messed up. So the dude that is listening to the other guy keeps darting his eyes over at her. He like seems to notice that something isn't right. Also, the guy that's talking to him is boring this guy's gourd. Yeah, he's like, cool, you got an intercom? Who's Sandy? What? (laughs) So the subway car starts coming and the girl sort of steps a little closer to the edge and the dude notices and kind of steps closer to her. The other dude just keeps rambling about this intercom thing. (laughs) So she steps even closer and the dude yells, no! Just as she's about to jump, he grabs her. It was like super close. It was, Mm -hmm. thank God he was paying attention. Yes. Thank God he was ignoring his friend. Yeah. And you never see him again. Nope. Goodbye. Thank you, kind stranger. Cut to Toots explain to Benson Stabler what's going on. So this girl has no underwear on, a torn shirt, and bruises on her thighs. They don't have an ID and she won't talk. The girl is being loaded into an ambulance and Benson and Stabler introduce themselves to her. Stabler, of course, tells her he has a daughter her age, you know, and he'd really want to be there for his daughter if this happened to her. Okay, dad. Okay, I'm watching this. This part happened out loud. I was like, oh, absolutely not. No. Right. It's almost like they want us to make fun of him being a dad. Yeah. And she won't talk to anybody. But once Stabler says that for some reason, it makes her talk. And she's like, my name is Jackie Landrix. And then Toots is like, oh, Munch just called. He's been looking over the security footage and they found something. Jackie begs them not to call her parents because they'll kill her. And Stabler's like, this isn't your fault. They're just going to be glad you're okay. He has no idea of her history. It's just weird that he's like, I'm a good dad. So I'm projecting that your dad's a good dad. Don't worry. Mm -hmm. He loves you and cares about you. You don't know this fucking guy. You don't know why she was trying to fucking die by suicide in the subway. Like what? Right. I don't know. Just the assumption. I was assuming he was thinking like, okay, she was just raped and she tried to kill herself she was distraught and that it's not her fault and her parents will want to make sure you know what i mean right yeah but still it's like still it's like just just pump the brakes on your incredible magical loving nuclear family is gonna right maybe i'm being a cynic let's not forget your wife has an affair okay (laughs) jesus (laughs) 
Gabe said that, grabbed her mic, and then let go like someone did it to her. She's like, oh, Jesus. Why would you say that, me? I did. did. So Munch is in the security room or whatever, and he's saying that the average subway suicide waits about 10 minutes. And in London, their camera systems sound an alarm when someone is like on tape waiting for too long. You see Jackie walk into the station and a dude behind her following her. They get a print out of his face. When Jackie tries to jump, the dude that's following her runs off. In the squad room, Toots points out the logo on the shirt and the printout of the dude. It's for... Mercury bike messaging. His name is Carl Sirrett and he's 19. He was fired last month for visiting his girlfriends more than making deliveries. He also has arrest for assault. Craigan wants Toots to give Benson Stabler the picture of Carl. At the hospital, Benson and Stabler are talking to Jackie's doctor. They found fluids and abrasions and it looks like she was tied up and raped multiple times. Jackie told the doctor she hadn't had sex prior to the attack. The doctor's going to send the rape kit results to the precinct. Then he shows Benson and Stabler to Jackie's room where she's obviously in there with her parents. The dad notices the detectives out in the hallway and he comes out to talk to them. So this dad is played by <laughs> fucking Titus Welliver. <laughs> I was like, I know him so hard, but I only know him from advertising because he played Bosch for seven seasons. He was right. Bosch. I've never seen the show. I've only seen it advertised and I don't even, I've never even heard of it. Yeah. It's that ingrained in my brain. It was some network mm. show or it, I would always see it on Prime where he would be staying there with his arms crossed like on Bosch. Mm-hmm. Very suits energy. Oh, what? He was also on suits. <laughs> <laughs> But he was also on like all of those other USA shows like fucking Burn Notice and White Collar and all that shit. He's very that. Also, he was in Sons of Anarchy. He was in Deadwood. Uh, And he comes back to SVU in 2019 for three episodes. He thanks them for finding Jackie. I wish he would thank the guy that caught her, but that's okay. They just showed up for the, their job. But okay. Stabler tells him that it's standard procedure to get all DNA from all male family members. He tells him he has two sons, nine and 12. He doesn't seem to mind and says, whatever you need. And I think this is crazy because the last episode that he asked the dad for DNA, he got sandbag punched. <laughs> yeah. Remember? Yeah. But that's, every, you know, it's, everybody responds differently. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Four out of 10 sandbag punches. <laughs> Maybe that's the... the Four out of 10 dads will sandbag punch <laughs> if you, you accuse him of raping their daughter. <laughs> Maybe he learned from the last case that they worked and he was like, you know what? Maybe just bring if it I up present real quick. it this way. Yeah, just right away. I'm yeah. going to rip this Band-Aid off. Hey, this is standard procedure. This is like what we got to do. Turn your head and cough. I just need... Yeah, not like, oh, I, you see her every day and she's in a coma. We need your DNA. I'm going to need your DNA. <laughs> yeah, very different situation. He's like, like, as he's getting punched in the face, he's like, this is the wrong way to go about it. <laughs> got a little bit of sand in his mouth. <laughs> Benson and Stabler go into Jackie's room and ask her what happened. She said she was coming home from school and a car pulled up and then she got pushed into it. She didn't get a look at the guy. They drove around for a while and then they stopped and went down some steps and she heard a door open. He tied her to the bed and took off all her clothes and raped her. When he finished, he left and she loosened the restraints and ran. Stabler shows her some pics of the dude and she points out Carl and says he was following her in the subway, but she doesn't know if he raped her or not. She says about 50 times in this episode, Mm -hmm. I told you. I was blindfolded. I couldn't see anything. She says that. I thought it was an important thing to note down because she said it 500 times. Yeah. She also remembers that he had his penis pierced with a ring because he made her feel it. 
So now Munch and Toots have Carl in the interrogation room. Toots asks him why he ran when Jackie tried to kill herself. He says the two dudes in the subway had it under control and he just had to get out of there. So because of his history, they yeah. asked him why he was following Jackie and accused him of attacking her. He says he doesn't even know who Jackie is. He's like, I've never seen that bitch before. I hate when people fucking whatever. Munch points out that those are word for word the things he said about the other people he's attacked. He's like, oh, that's interesting. I've heard you say, I don't know. I've never seen that bitch before. Before. So they want his DNA. Before. <laughs> yeah. He ain't having it. Nope. Okay. In the, on the other side of the glass in Craigan's sex dungeon, he's wearing a diaper and he's telling <laughs> Benson and Stapler. <laughs> Are you imagining it? I yeah! am standing on his hand with a big old diaper. You guys, this is crazy. He's got a tiny <laughs> rattle. Yeah. Get back in there, but change my diaper before you go in. It's hot. Oh, or whatever. He's telling Benson and Saylor that this is all wild. And if they have found any matches to the restraint patterns on Jackie, like, is there any other crimes that have those? Mm -hmm. So they did find that two years ago, a female corpse was pulled out of the Chelsea River. They called her Chelsea Doe. She had no head or fingers, but with the same type of restraint marks. The case went cold, but the city should still have the corpse. Munchitudes come out with Carl because he has to go to the bathroom. Okay. In the bathroom, oh. they're standing at the urinal. Munch takes a fucking obvious peek at Carl's dick. And Carl's like, jealous, which I loved. <laughs> he didn't even look over at Munch. He was just like, jealous. Munch points out that he has a fucking Prince Albert piercing. And they arrest him for Jackie's rape. Okay. Mm -hmm. Back in the interrogation room, that one lawyer, Gina Bernardo, is there. Yes. You know, the one Ileana Douglas. She's great. Yeah. She's pissed because she hasn't seen Carl yet, and he's her client. They tell her he's under arrest. He's not going anywhere because of the security footage and his dick piercing. Gina's like, uh, I'm sorry. You think this guy is the only dude with a pierced schlong, which she actually says. She... <laughs> actually said schlong and i loved it yeah i almost did a round of applause <laughs> in my bed she also calls them out for their tactics they fucking held him for five hours while he wasn't arrested they gave him a ton of soda and then took a peek at his dick while he was in the bathroom peeing out all that soda mm -hmm. she's like you think you're gonna get a fucking free dna sample i want to talk to the da and picks up all of the cans and all the food so they can't get dna off it yeah. She's a fucking bad bitch. Yeah. Cabot, Craigan, and Gina are doing a walk and talk. Craigan tells Gina that it is standard procedure to escort suspects to the bathroom. And Gina's like, oh, yeah, to look at their fucking shalong. She said junk this time. She is. <laughs> did she say she junk? She did say junk. She uh, is a consummate okay. professional. Yeah. Her, her dick talk is your barf. <laughs> I'll say penis when Gabe says vomit. <laughs> So they made him believe he was in custody and couldn't leave, even though they didn't have anything on him. Anything they got out of him or looking at his junk is inadmissible. She's going to object to getting a DNA sample from him. She's like, I'll fucking see you in chambers and then walks away. And Cabot's like, oh, my God, she like could win this. You guys fucked up. You better get something else on Carl. So they got that dead body from the Chelsea River they got to look into. Sorry. What? If we don't get the wings, so what? We still got that meat lover's pizza in the trunk. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> What is that from? Fucking Tommy Boy, dude. Oh, that's right, yeah. In the ME office, Corner Warner is standing over Chelsea Doe. She's telling Benson and Saylor that she remembers this case. She was super mad at how extreme the perp went to make sure they couldn't ID her. The restraint marks look similar to Jackie's, but not the same. Chelsea Doe had rope burns. Jackie's looked like straps. Chelsea was in the river for two weeks, so they didn't 
even know if she was raped. They couldn't get any fluids. She was in her late 20s and her head and fingers were cut off with some sort of cleaver. Coroner Warner got the fluid samples tested from Jackie's rape kit. It had two different blood types. So there's two rapists and one had medication in it for high cholesterol. They got to go back and talk to Jackie. At the home of Tom and Angie Landrix, Benson and Stabes are following Angie through a chaos pile of children having a great British bake-off in the kitchen. <laughs> Angie is played by Cynthia Edinger. She was in Deadwood. What? Everybody today. And the Tenacious D movie. And she comes back to SVU next season. I don't trust her. She's too nice. She's a normal mm-hmm. amount of nice, but in this universe, that's suspicious as fuck. Mm-hmm. There's like eight or 150 kids running around. She runs a daycare. She says that two of them are hers, Sally and Jason. Okay, and George Glass, are these kids even real? Are we even trying anymore with these fucking names? Right? <laughs> Sally. These are my kids, Sally and Jason. All right. George Glass. Uh, Euphigenia <laughs> Doubtfire. Bullshit. <laughs> they pull her aside to question her about Jackie, leaving 360 kids in the most dangerous room in the house with kitchen tools and raw eggs and shit, but whatever. We aren't worried about that. The adults are talking. Yep. Whoop. Jackie pops out from around the corner, so Benny and Stapes take her to have a little chat. In the other room with Jackie, Benny gently tells Jackie that forensics found that there were actually two suspects when Jackie said there was only one. Jackie reminds her mm-hmm. that she was blindfolded, and all she heard was mm-hmm. one person say, scream and I'll kill you. Stabler mm-hmm. hears something because he's a great fucking detective. And father. And father. His dad hunch takes him to a room down the hall as Benson continues with Jackie. Sally's in there. She's this cute little Dennis the Menace type in overalls and chucks. She might be six years old. We mm-hmm. find out later she is six years old. Dave's fatherly squats and she immediately cozies up on his lap. Which is super weird. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She got... And he immediately felt like it was weird, too. And then she asked for his pen, which I took as like a hard power move. And I loved it. And he gave it to her. Well, and I love how she was like, he's like, what do you need it for? And she's like, it's a present for me. Yeah. And I was like, nice. I mean, the kind of the whole interaction, he has a sort of what the fuck look on his face about yeah. her boldness uh, and her comfort level. But he just rolls with it. But then he looks across the way. What's that on the counter? A prescription bottle belonging to a dude that lives with them. James Randall. He picks up the prescription bottle and he, and he goes, is he, you know, old like me? And she goes, worse. Can I go now? <laughs> she means older but i love her i love sally yeah sally air quotes yeah (laughs) i wonder if her full name is salamander (laughs) i hope so she is six years old in 2002 her name is fucking hannah if it's anything yeah stabes heads back into the other room with benny and jackie Jackie tells him James Randall has been staying at the house for a couple of months, but gets worked up when Stabes presses her about him bothering her. He said, mm-hmm. yeah, are you sure he's not bothering you? Like five times. Uh-oh. James Randall's meds are Mivastatin for high cholesterol. Fucking dot, dot, dot. Mm-hmm. We've got ourselves a lead, Gabe. Yep. In an interrogation room, Mikey Day from SNL slash James Randall. 100%. Yeah. It's- when I saw that in the notes, I was like, oh, my god i know that was hit dead on he has mikey day mouth so this is james randall he is appalled by what munch and toots are in there accusing him of he goes lots of guys have high cholesterol and toots goes lots of guys don't live next to the victim's bedroom not wrong this guy fucking sighs Mm -hmm. and goes jackie's kind of hot but schoolgirls aren't my scene um (laughs) my god that's a weird fucking thing to say guy yeah it's weird yeah 
He claims to not know Carl or anything about the Chelsea Doe rape murder. Toots shows him an autopsy pic and that fucking shakes him. He's like, I'll fucking jerk off in a cup right now. And he's like unbuttoning his pants. Like, You want that DNA? I can get it. Slow down, cowboy. They just need a fucking mouth swab. (laughs) Yeah. Give a piece of your hair, dude. Chill out. Just scratch your arm over a fucking... Touch a coffee cup. cup. You need my dick out? Yeah. Who needs dicks? I got a dick. <laughs> okay, now the whole gang is corkboarding it up in the precinct hang area. What is that called? Whatever. Toots is like, a guilty dude wouldn't offer up his DNA. TBD. Benny just got off of an imaginary phone call with the lab. Jackie's pelvic exam shows that she has cervical dysplasia. Mm-hmm. Fucking Benson goes, our girl with no boyfriend has had a lot of them. Okay. Okay. I know. I, I went <laughs> yeah. off on this too. You can have sex with one person. Yes. That's it. I was like... This feels, am I correct on what I think this is? Because that's an interesting place to go with that. I had to double check. Benson, don't gaslight me. This girl has fucking HPV, which pretty much everybody does, which Mm -hmm. doesn't mean shit. I don't understand why we're going from zero to ho so fucking fast in this scene. Sabes goes, Mm -hmm. I'm sure she doesn't want daddy finding out about that. I'm a dad. (laughs) Hey, everybody. I'm a dad. Dad coming through. (laughs) The twins' birthday is coming up, I'm sure. Munch comes through and lets everybody know that the judge refused to give the order for Carl's DNA. They said taking him to side-eye his dick in the bathroom was police misconduct by coercion. Craigan goes up to the board. I love how he was like, Cabot said it's our fault. Can you believe that? He like was like shocked by it. I'm like, yeah, you guys do that a lot. It's oftentimes your fault. Yeah. Craigan goes up to the board, points to Carl and Randall's pick, and sincerely with no inflection says, Munch, Finn, see if you can find out a connection between these two losers. It made me laugh so fucking hard. I don't know why. <laughs> He's also sending Betty and Staves to Jackie's school to ask around about her fucking boyfriends. Right. At James F. Cooper's school, Benson and Stabler are doing a walk and talk with a reluctant to talk to them teacher, Miss Bowen. We've seen her twice before mm-hmm. as different characters in SVU. She was also in The Sopranos, Orange is the New Black, and had a nice little reoccurring role as Adele Steele and Madam Secretary. Benny's like, hey, uh, we know you've gone to the principal with concerns about Jackie in the past. Come on. Miss Bowen says that there were rumors that Jackie had been sleeping around. And when Miss Bowen asked Jackie about it, Jackie said she was dating one dude, a senior. Stabes is like, Elliot Stabler, SVU, a DAD. What did you do about it? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I can't stop. With- <laughs> this is a super, this is a super dad episode for Stabler. So it's, it was like, yeah. lest ye forget. He throws, he, yeah, he throws it in in every episode, but this one was like a super dad one. Yeah. Miss Bowen says that Jackie told her she'd stop seeing this dude. I don't know how any of this conversation or Jackie's life in this me- is anyone's business at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because at the time the dude was 18 and Jackie was like 14 or 15, the detectives remind her that that equals statutory rape. Miss Bowen insists that it was a consensual relationship and it stopped once she found out, but didn't go to Jackie's mm-hmm. parents because Jackie begged her not to. She said the exact same thing that she said earlier. They'll kill me. Don't tell my parents. Mm-hmm. What's this dude's name? Who's this 18 year old senior? Brrr, it's fucking Carl Surrett, Prince Albert himself. Full circle. He does know this Shit. bitch. Your majesty. <laughs> <laughs> Cut to Benson and Stabler questioning Jackie sitting with her dad on the couch in their living room. She admits to knowing and dating Carl, and the only reason she picked him out in a lineup was because she wanted someone to blame. She says the only reason he was probably following her was because he hangs out around there and saw her. He hangs out at the deli outside. The whole time, her dad's like, oh my stars, oh my, tell them 
everything, honey. I don't trust you either, recognizably famous guy mm-hmm. in the show. You're too concerned. Your wife is too yeah. daycare nanny. Mm-hmm. Benny begs her to tell them everything. And Jackie pushes back and says that she is telling them everything. You literally just told them that you haven't, but okay. Yeah, she's like, I have been. You guys just don't believe me. And I'm like, well, yeah, we're literally here and you just told us something different than you told us before. Yeah. She's done. She asked her dad if she can go to her room. And he's like, yeah, my sweet, precious angel, best person in my life. Love Mm -hmm. you. Miss you. I'm a dad. Once she's (laughs) gone, dad's asking if they think Carl was involved. And what's up with fucking Randall? Shrug. They don't have an ID from Jackie. They have nothing that sticks on either of them. Stabler's like, hey, um, why the fuck would you rent a room to a 40-year-old dude next to your 15-year-old daughter? Dad sighs and said, we were hurting for the cash and it was a bad choice in hindsight. He says they usually only rent to women or students. It was just a bad call. Just then mom comes Mm -hmm. in with a bunch of littles. Dad picks up one of the kids like, wee, hey buddy, and walks away with him as mom and Benny chat. Mom tells her that she's worried. Little Sally goes right up to Stabler and takes his hand and pulls him away. She tells him she got him a present and gives him this silver cuff bracelet with turquoise in it. Mm -hmm. She creepy, don't say a word, Brittany Murphy whispers, don't tell, and runs off. (laughs) Remember that? (laughs) I'll never tell. I think about it so much. (laughs) Stabes and Huang are having a walk and talk in the precinct. Stabe has some questions for the doctor about Sally. He says she's unusually friendly, which Huang says can be a sign of abuse. Stabes doesn't think so because of how he sees the parents interact with the kids. Mm. I don't know what his deal is today. Munch and Toots come peeling through with some new info. The Emmy got a DNA match on one of the samples. Charles Eno, a former butcher in the meatpacking district who did time for robbery, lives a block from the Landrix. Oh my God. Giddy up. <laughs> Munch and Toots are questioning Charles Eno in an interrogation room. I looked this dude up, okay? I never run into this ever, but this was his only acting credit. And he was a good actor Whoa. too. So I was like, I wonder what happened? I don't know. I was like, he had to have died. He's talented. <laughs> I've never looked somebody, even a kid, I've never looked somebody up that only had, this was their only acting credit. Mm-hmm. This guy tells them he was home until 1130 that night before he went to the club to work his security job, which is not a great alibi. They push him and accuse him of being a rapist and a murderer for the Chelsea Doe murder. I mean, they've got DNA on this dude. Like they feel like they can really go yeah. for it, which they are. Also, Toots mm-hmm. is in dude's face but charles has like six inches on him so toots is staring at his mouth and i loved it (laughs) yeah yeah charles finally admits that he has had sex with angie landrix wait jackie's mom mom munch is in his face now ew her mom (laughs) charles is fucking over it he's like yeah why would i mess with jailbait when i can get it from her mom's and i'm like why hasn't this dude acted again i just liked him yeah he was cool on the other side of the glass in craggan's tank at SeaWorld, i'm taking notes right now (laughs) oh my god i can't believe you did that (laughs) (laughs) stabler's feeding craig and fish for doing flips and they're trying to figure out why this dude is denying this when they have his dna from jackie's rape kit <laughs> I won't do it again. It's I'm, not my place. I'm now in my mind seeing Craig and like being like, <laughs> like going backwards. Um, oh my god! Benny slides in on her belly. <laughs> Benny slides in on her belly and says, "You guys!" Honks a horn with her nose and says, "You guys, dudes, give me a sardine. I'll tell you everything." 
<laughs> the other sample came back. It's fucking James Randall's, the dude that gave up his DNA, the dude that pulled his dick out in the precinct and was like, I will jack off into a cup right now. What is happening? What the hell, Gabe? I was trying to say it like Eric. What the fuck, Gabe? What the fuck, Gabe? Hey, hey, what the fuck, Gabe? <laughs> All right, Benny and Stabs are back in the interrogation room with Randall. Randall insists he never touched Jackie. Benny shows him a mugshot of Charles and asks if he knows him. Randall's like, yeah, I know him from the club, the one that Charles works at. They don't believe him and go at him hard. He's nearly in tears when Stabe asks, let me guess, you just had sex with Jackie's mom. And he's like, yeah, that's right. But also, what? <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I fucked her mom. Right. <laughs> What is happening? What is this? I know. And it's weird that he like offered up his DNA so quickly and it was in there and he's like, what's happening? Yeah. Yeah. Benson says right under her husband's nose. Then Randall throws them a curveball and he's like, yeah, dude, he paid me to do it. Hit the swelly ass Jaws track, kids. So first the music was coming up, but then it was like, Donna, Donna. <laughs> it's very Jaws. Randall's like, yeah, a fucking dude likes to watch. Mm -hmm. Okay. Benson and Stabes and both of us and everyone collectively are like what's happening mm -hmm. back to the fucking cork board now that huang has all of the info there's no proof that these guys abducted jackie together the sister's behavior everything he thinks that dad is a sexually obsessed narcissist Ooh. huang thinks that dad has conditioned the family to act as his own little cult and do whatever he wants to make him happy he may not even have to personally sexually abuse them. He just puts them in a position of being his vicarious sexual partners, which is fucking gross. This is called child sexual abuse accommodation syndrome. This is a syndrome proposed by Roland C. Summit in 1983. It's just meant to lay out how children respond to ongoing sexual abuse. And there are five stages, which as I watch this episode, I'm like, oh, they're just like straight going through all of these stages with Jackie. Mm -hmm. Secrecy, helplessness, entrapment and accommodation, delayed disclosure and retraction. Mm -hmm. Wild. I had never heard of that. I mean, it just gives a name to... Yeah. Craig doesn't understand why Tom's dad. No. Yeah. Tom dad. I, I don't know. I just, I was calling him Tom dad because I don't know why. Cause it was like, he was dad in this episode, but like Craigan's dad and Stabler's a dad. So yeah. I was like, this guy is also, it's just like very dad heavy. So I was like, it, it needs to be um, highlighted and specific. Yeah. So daddy Craigan doesn't understand why Tom dad is needing this vicariously. <laughs> yes. Huang's guessing that he's impotent and maybe infertile. He gets his feeling of power from his family. Next steps is they need to get all those fucking daycare kids out of there and bring Angie mom in. Cragen's hoping that if everything is going to shit, they can get Angie to crack. Yeah. Outside of the Landrix house, Angie mom is freaking out as the detective takes these kids out to a van. Can't they just send them home? I know. I mean, what? Like, why can't they just call their parents? I'm guessing that them doing it this way is more intense and it's intended to hit Angie super hard. Mm -hmm. It's just much more dramatic, right? And they're trying to get her to crack from like the jump. Yeah. So Angie mom grabs Jackie and she's like, what have you done? Before Angie's dragged in the other direction. Jackie whispers, I'm sorry. A woman, I'm assuming a caseworker, has two really little kids and says, there's no record of these kids in the house, no names or addresses. Stabes pulls his bestie Sally from the van and asks mm -hmm. her who these two kids are. Their names are Philip and Antoine, which are believable names for mm -hmm. kids, little kids in 2002. Sally, fuck you. Yeah. Stabes goes, who's their mom? And Sally goes, my mom is stupid. They're my brothers. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah. 
Sailor should be like, um, okay, it was just a question. Jeez. Jesus fucking Christ, Sally. Are we fighting again? Okay, so uh, now there are two secret siblings that we didn't know about. Mm-hmm. Also, these boys are biracial, indicating to us that they're not Tom Dad's biological kids. Mm-hmm. So Stabler has Angie in interrogation room. Birth records confirm it. The boys are her kids. She doesn't know who the dads are. And she says that Tom Dad is totally cool with it. He wanted more kids, but he couldn't have any more. She says that she did it to keep him happy. Gross. gross. Yeah. yeah. Now she can't give him any more because she had to have a hysterectomy with Philip, the youngest. Something happened during the birth. Benson and Stabler are like, you did this. I, you sick bitch. <laughs> you sick bitch. Mm-hmm. She tries to insist that it was the two dudes with the DNA and Jackie, but they don't believe her. Stabler says either you let them rape your daughter or your husband took their semen out of you and did it himself. Oh my God. That's Angie's crying a little but She's like, that's disgusting. And then Sabler's like, you're disgusting. You are your own child. He like gets in her face. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I don't think we've ever heard him yell that hard. And I'm not Especially like, at a lady. I know. And Benny didn't say anything about it, which. She was just like, mm-hmm. Yep. His, mm-hmm. his passion as a dad, you know, is just. His dadshin? What is it? There's got to be something for it. <laughs> we need to ask Abby. She's a word mesh fucking savant so then this woman's just sitting there crying to talk to her husband craig and stops benson stabler as they're booking out of the precinct to go talk to jackie jackie's been moved to adam's treatment center after having some kind of breakdown quote unquote and tells them to talk to huang just then tom dad storms up asks where his fucking kids and wife are and craig gives him some like minimal info and benson stabler start walking past him and tom anger whispers to stabe i trusted you wrong road tommy mm-hmm. oh you have no idea what just happened in that other room with your wife mm-hmm. steve's fucking turns around damn near sandbag punches him and yells your kids trusted you and then the two have like this little slap fight against each other's hands you know what i mean that thing yeah. at each other yeah. and then they're pulled apart at Adam's treatment center, Benson, Stabes, and Huang are observing Jackie through another side of the glass. Another it's, other side of the glass. It is the Lion Witch in the Wardrobe <laughs> side of the glass. Huang says that the stress was too much and Jackie is experiencing some kind of regression. She's on the floor playing with dolls. It's reminiscent of a safer time for her, which I doubt that. I doubt there was ever a safe time for her. That's just what Stabler, Huang is assuming, yeah. thinking. Stabler is doubtful. And Huang tells him to go in and talk to her. And he's like, what? No, you're the doctor. But Huang's prepared for that and goes, and you're the motherfucking dad. You're a dad, dad. And that's what she's looking for right now. A bippity-boppity magical dad Shazam. She needs a dad. Stabler, this is your time. This is your moment. (laughs) Stabler goes into the room. She's talking like a little kid and playing with a teddy bear and a doll. She says that the bear loves her doll, Cindy, because Cindy knows what the bear wants. Okay. And Stabler is the bear, obviously. And he's like, well, what do I want? And Jackie says, you want Cindy to be nice to you. As she like kind of inches closer to Stabler and I'm hating it. Yeah. Stabler says, and how are you going to be nice to me? And Jackie says, she'll make you feel good. Jackie says she knows what to do because she's watched. Stabler asks her who she's watched. She gets upset and she's like, my mom. Yeah, her attitude changed like that. Yeah. She didn't want to watch, but her dad said she had to. Stabler tells her that that's fucked up (laughs) and that's not love. He's like, that's fucked, dude. And she's like, I I kind of thought it was. Stabler's like, that's not love. And she gets mad and attacks Stabler and says, he loves me. He loves me. He's talking about her dad. He actually says, no, he doesn't. (laughs) 
Yeah. Which I get the motivation, but like fucking way harsh tie. Yeah. Your daddy doesn't love you. Your mom doesn't love you. Nobody that you love loves you. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Stabler tells her her dad is just using her. He's like, I know why you ran, but you're safe now. She hugs him and says that her dad told her mom she couldn't have a baby and it made him sad and he wanted her to help and that she was old enough now and had to do it for the family. <sighs> this motherfucker took his daughter to a room, took off her clothes, made her lie down in the bed. She saw the syringe and tried to get away, but he caught her and tied her down. She saw her mom and begged her to make him stop, but she didn't do anything. Then he put the syringe inside of her and said, good girl. Ew. Oh my God, gross. So if you're, first of all, why do you have to fucking take off all of her clothes to inside? You're not going to find logic in... No, there's no way. It's fucked. Cut to the cell with Tom, dad, and his lawyer and Cabot. His lawyer wants him to plead guilty on promoting prostitution. Cabot it's like, um, what? That's a misdemeanor. This dude tied down his own daughter and tried to inseminate her. I'm sorry, he did inseminate her. Yeah. The thing is, Angie mom denies that it happened and the forensic evidence has no proof of Tom doing this. The lawyer says that Jackie is a disturbed child and it's all a lie. Jackie also was moved to a psychiatric facility and Tom's lawyer doesn't think that the jury will believe her. Which is really fucked. I'm just yeah, so like, fucking fired up about mental right. health shit. It's like this thing would cause major like PTSD and all of the other mm -hmm. fucking letters. But if she needs treatment for the trauma that she's received, a jury's not going to believe her. It makes her uncredible. Yeah. Fuck. I know. Cabot's like, yeah, the jury's going to believe her when they hear all this bullshit. Tom's lawyer's like, if you put her on the stand, I'll be forced to bring up Jackie's promiscuity and her false accusations, which... Oh my god, fucking nobody ever believes women anyways, whatever. I know. This pathetic ass dad goes, I love my daughter, I would never hurt her. And Cabot goes, shut up. <laughs> and fucking leaves. <laughs> she says it so hard. I took a video of it and I'm going to post it because yeah. it was... She's like, shut up, I'll see you in court. Shut up. It's like, shut up. The way she... Shut like, up. The way she said <laughs> shut up was just... <laughs> She was so disgusted, but it came yeah. out so quickly that she's just like, you know what? Professionalism be damned. Pantsuit be fucking damned. Shut up. There's a there's a gift that I love from Mean Girls, you know, where she's like eating that thing and she's like, shut up. Yeah. It's like that. <laughs> yes. In court, Jackie's on the stand and Cabot's asking her the questions. Jackie's telling the jury what happened, but as soon as it gets to the details that would incriminate her dad, she changes her story. Cabot brings mm -hmm. up her grand jury testimony. Like, hey, you said all this stuff already. You're saying different things now. Nope. Mm -hmm. Jackie starts crying and says she was scared and told the grand jury what Cabot and Stabes wanted her to say. She says, the policeman told me my dad did bad things, but dad wouldn't. Cabot is so fucking bummed, dude, like mm -hmm. as this is going on. So Cabot's just defeated and is like, okay, I'm I'm done, I guess. The defense attorney asks Jackie if her parents ever hurt her. That was her only question. Mm -hmm. Jackie's making super intense eye contact with her dad and says, never. Fuck, dude. Mm -hmm. Back in the precinct, we get the update. Tom dad's getting his family back and fucking Jackie's pregnant and wants to keep the baby. The oh, only Jesus. thing Toots contributes is yelling to nobody, by the way, that daddy's turkey basting worked. Oh, gross, dude. What the fuck, Toots? I don't know. Then he's like, wait a sec, wait a sec, wait, wait, wait. I have a real contribution here. The youngest two, Antoine and Philip, are four and two, right? Angie's mm -hmm. hysterectomy was two years before that. Why did Tom Dad wait so long? Stabler goes, what if he didn't wait? Oh my God, did he kill Chelsea Doe? The oh, restraint shit. patterns match. 
Tom had told them that he usually only took in women before Randall. What if one of them was Chelsea Doe? I hate that every time I hear Chelsea Doe, my brain says Dosey Doe. What a fucking hick. <laughs> Craigan's ready to send them out on their assignments. Munch and Toots are going to canvas the neighbors to see if a woman was living with the family around the time of Chelsea Doe's murder. Benson and Stabler are going to get all the records they can find to dig something up. DMV, Social Security, all the paper trail a living person mm-hmm. should be leaving. Craigan's going to go hook up with Huang. In the Emmy office, Corner Warner, Huang, and Daddy Craigs are chatting over the body of Chelsea Doe. Huang says the murder was out of fear or rage, not planned. The fingers were cut off for souvenirs. It gives hmm. this guy a feeling of power. Huang says it's possible Tom Dad could have killed her and liked it. He enjoys violating the rights of others, which is a mark of antisocial personality. He also exhibits schizotypal features which provoke him to act out his fantasies. OMG, hmm. the restraints were on the torso and chest, which was the same places that the restraints were on Jackie, leaving her arms and legs free to fight, which made overpowering the victim more satisfying for him. Back at the precinct, Benny comes bouncing into Cragen's office with some hot presses from the DMV. Two and a half years ago, a woman named Karen Stenslin gave the Landrix place as her home address and zero movement on her since Chelsea Doe was discovered. Her only family is her grandma who lives in Jersey. Jersey. Benson and Stabler head right there. I fucking adore this woman. Mm-hmm. She is in a head-to-toe purple velour tracksuit, a little curled under bowl cut, and bangs with big 70s glasses. I mean, she is like perfect grandma. Not only is she wearing like this full velour tracksuit, right? But she's wearing a matching like t-shirt underneath velour-y mm-hmm. kind of. It all matched. It was all head-to-toe, top-to-bottom. I bet her underwear were purple velour. She had on one of those chain pendant necklaces that only an older woman can pull off. And she says, I'm afraid I haven't spoken to Karen in a long time. She tells the detectives that Karen moved to Europe two years ago, but hasn't talked to her since. She also says that the last time she heard from Karen was in a postcard that she happens to have sitting out that Stabler found before she said anything. (laughs) They are Mm -hmm. such good detectives. My God. Huh. The postcard is postmarked in Manhattan a couple of weeks before Chelsea Doe was found. Fucking grandma found out about Europe because that nice man she nannied for told her on the phone. Stabes brings over a framed photo. Is this Karen? It's like a glamour shot. Grandma beams. Yes, isn't she lovely? Oh my God, she's wearing the fucking bracelet that Sally gave to Stabes. Mm -hmm. What? Now they're talking to Sally at the ACS Emergency Children's Shelter. Jackie's sitting on a bench in the background, kind of scowling, and the detectives are asking Sally about this bracelet. She's acting kind of hesitant and says that she took the bracelet from Jackie's drawer. Jackie then comes up and says, well, it's not mine. It's Karen's. Karen ran away, but I found the bracelet in her room after she left. Underneath Mm -hmm. her bed. Boom. In Karen's old room slash Randall's room, our Jeff Garland CSU forensics dude tells them they used ground probing radar to locate the void and had to dig up two feet of concrete. This is a weird fucking scene to me. I know. I was like, wait, what? That was just a huge leap to make. If he dug it up, why are Benny and Stabes on hands and knees pulling out chunks of cement discovering body parts? They they should have come in and had them laid out with little tags next to them or something. But Benny and Stabes are legit reaching into a hole, pulling out big old chunks of concrete. I don't know. Also, 
why did they think to assume anyone was buried under the floor? I know. Right? It was really it was like, weird. The bracelet was under the bed. Oh my God, we need to bust through the floor. It was really weird. It was weird. There was a whole bunch of shit that happened in between there. And like, did he go into his house and do like major, I mean, that's a major construction thing. Mm-hmm. I don't get it. Was it in the basement? Was there a bedroom in the basement? What tipped them off that there were things under two feet of concrete? Okay. Yeah, I don't. James finds her head and the fingertips. Well, here we are. At the jail, uh-huh. Benson's sitting across from Tom Dad and his lawyer. He's playing all dumb like, what? Her head's at my house? <laughs> no, she's in Europe. This is a mistake. <laughs> I know. How could this be? How? This isn't a clerical error. They found her fucking head, bro. <laughs> yeah. Under two feet of concrete in your house. (laughs) Tom accuses them of planting the remains. And Stabe says, surprisingly super calm, under two feet of concrete? This guy just will not stop denying the obvious, though. Stabler goes, Mm -hmm. buddy, we've got you so fucking hard right now. Next time I see you, you're going to have a needle in your arm. Keep denying it. Wink. And he leaves. Benson stares at him for an uncomfortably long period of time and is like, come on. (laughs) So he starts talking. Yeah. As soon as he starts talking, his lawyer flops her head around like, dude, <laughs> shut <know>. up. What? <laughs> he tells Benny that Karen was trying to ruin their family. She said she'd have a baby, but then backed out of the deal. Then she said she'd tell and get their kids taken away. Benson asks about Jackie, and he says he would never hurt Jackie. She knows better. She'll do what's best for the family. Gross. At a park, Stabler walks up to Jackie watching her siblings play. She's coming to grips with seeing her dad with some distance and seems to be happy to be away from him. It's really, her flip is really odd because like in court, she was like, no, he would never, I don't know. I get it though, because he's in jail now and probably has a no contact order. Right. So she's getting some space because when she says it, like my seeing it on TV and whatever, she's like, it's like watching somebody else, but it's my dad. The only thing I can compare it to like that feeling is when I got the restraining order against that dude and then I got space from it. It felt like it happened to somebody else. Not that I'm comparing those two fucking things at all. Sure. But it's just the feeling made sense to me right she tells catholic stabler that she's not gonna keep the baby and he does not address it she says it's what dad would have wanted isn't it i'm i'm not gonna do that anymore (laughs) toyota toyota oh my god especially heinous drawings on instagram i know love love you follow them on instagram they draw pictures of different scenes from svu but they're like not quite stick figures but not much past that in the in the best way and always picks the funniest scenes but tagged us the other day because they did just a closing scene with the caption toyota get the feeling it was just it was just (laughs) perfect i loved it okay narda grimm met john goff in 1989, she was a frail young woman who had been diagnosed with MS and the mother of her four-year-old daughter, Shenna. He was a long-haired, motorcycle-riding ex-Marine and voluntary auxiliary police officer in Wyndham, Ohio. Goff also spent his time being the you're-all-going-to-hell corner bullhorn dude. The two were married within a year of meeting. In 1993, the family of three were living in a housing complex in downtown Akron. That July, they attended a neighborhood birthday party. Adults chatting while kids ran around semi-supervised very that very 1993 neighborhood birthday party 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. It wasn't until two weeks later when Narda found 11-year-old Shanna crying in her room that Shanna had been raped by a neighbor during the party. Her parents immediately mm-hmm. took her to the hospital to be examined, where she was found to have internal scarring. 35-year-old John Eggert was charged with rape. She's 11, you said? Mm-hmm. At the trial, while Shanna gave her testimony, she wasn't able to clearly answer whether she had been penetrated by Eggert's fingers or his penis, a fact that at the time mattered in a court of law. Mm-hmm. Only penile penetration was considered rape in Ohio at the time. Whoa. The jury was forced to find him innocent and he walked out of the courtroom that day. Jesus in a later Christ. interview with the Akron Beacon Journal, Narda said, quote, the minute the decision came back, we worked at closing that loophole so that no one else could walk through it. Mm-hmm. And stepfather John said, quote, What's the difference what he raped her with? Rape is rape. Yeah. After two years, with the consistent efforts by the Goffs, a bill was drafted and signed into law that would not allow this to ever happen again. Mm. The end, just kidding. By 1998, Shenna was 16 and getting into trouble and by Christmas Eve, found out that she was pregnant. Mm -hmm. When asked about the father, she gave many different answers to siblings and cousins. It was a boy from youth group. It was a 35-year-old dude that had gotten her drunk. It was an ex who had moved to Florida. Whoever it was, Shanna gave birth to a baby boy in September of 1999 and named him Aaron. The nurses that cared for Shanna and Aaron made note of some concerns they had during their stay and made record of it. Shanna told them to put her stepfather as the father on the birth certificate okay. just because she didn't know who the real father was. They thought that was soup strange. Yeah. Also during the delivery, nurses claimed Goff had said some pretty inappropriate shit like saying he could get three fingers into Shenna's vagina. Just weird shit. Between his comments, strange interactions, and Shenna's flat and closed off behavior, the nurses contacted Summit Wait, County the, Children's... the stepdad said that? Yeah. John what? Goff, the one who went to bat for a change in rape laws. Okay. Yeah. All of these things equals that the nurses contacted Summit County Children's Services Board. Social work workers did come in to question Shenna, but she denied there being any issue. A year and a half later, Shenna met Greg Suchi. It's Suchi or Suchi, S-U-C-H-Y. I'll say Suchi. Okay. Shenna met him and fell in love. Not only him, but his family as well. For the first time, Shenna felt like she could tell someone the truth about her family and her son, Aaron. Shenna mm-hmm. told Greg that her stepfather wanted a child, but her mom, Narda, couldn't because she had a hysterectomy. After mm-hmm. Shenna protested, Goth held a 45 to her head and threatened to kill her mother if she didn't comply. What? After this, Shenna claimed that her mother began to chart her fertility cycle. Whoa. During ovulation, Goff would ejaculate into a cup, collect that into a syringe and inseminate it into Shenna. Mm. At first, Greg didn't believe her, but just a few days later when he was at the Goffs for dinner, Shenna's stepfather chatted about it, confirming the insemination as if it were normal. Greg was like, what the fuck? You need to move out. Yeah. So she did. Shenna stayed with Greg's family, but unfortunately couldn't bring Aaron. There wasn't room and the family was like, we do not want to deal with this fucked up dude. Yeah. If she were to take Aaron out of the house like how is this goth guy gonna respond you know it took some time but greg's mom convinced shenna to go to the police in january of 2001 shenna filed an official report with stowe police the police were like oh look at this young girl acting out and they did nothing greg could not believe it her boyfriend was like are you kidding me right now 
Yeah. Greg wasn't having it. Greg was like, this isn't okay. He brought this other dude he knew into it, Gary Lockwood. Now, Gary Lockwood was a 61-year-old hippie who had been working with rape victims for over half his life. Gary taped his conversation with Shenna as she sat and told him the entire story. Then they went to work to get John Goff put in prison. Lockwood went to the cops with a tape and his friend lawyer, Bill Whitaker, who had agreed to represent Shenna pro bono. Mm -hmm. At this point, Shenna had decided that Aaron needed to be removed from the house and went to caseworker Cheryl Schneider at Portage County Children's Services. Mm -hmm. When Schneider went to interview Shenna's stepdad, he was like, oh yeah, for sure. I'm Aaron's dad. So what? Shenna was able to take Aaron, but it wasn't long before she decided that she couldn't care for him. Mm. Not only could she not afford a child, but she said that she resented him terribly for where he came from. Mm -hmm. He was the product of what her stepfather had done and she just couldn't do it. So instead of returning him to the Goff's house, she returned him to Children's Services and made the decision to place him up for adoption, which I'm sure was extremely difficult. Yeah, of course. I can't imagine. Yeah. The DNA test came back and with that, finally came a 2001 indictment of John Goff and his wife Narda. They both pled not guilty. Narda waived her right to a trial and in March of 2002 received a three-year prison sentence for complicity in sexual battery and child endangerment. Goff was facing charges of rape, sexual battery, and child endangerment. The officers that initially didn't believe Shunna story testified on her behalf. One testified to a conversation he had with Narda, where she had admitted not only knowing about the insemination, but insisting in it. Keep that in mind, mm-hmm. that testimony. Okay. When Shenna took the stand, a lifetime of abuse was exposed. She spoke with a stutter and had a childlike demeanor. Shenna testified that she had attempted to die by suicide multiple times over her life, starting at eight years old, in response to what was being done to her. He would physically and verbally abuse her, hold her at gunpoint, sexually assault her. Once at 10, she was hospitalized after a particularly brutal rape. She also testified that he was the one who actually performed the insemination. You know that law that he helped pass at the beginning of the story? Mm -hmm. That's the law that got him put away. Good. He was sentenced to 20 years in prison. Fucking good. The 20 years was for the rape. Yeah. And it would not have been considered rape. Yeah. Bananas. Yeah. When given the opportunity to give a statement before being escorted out of the courtroom, he yelled out passages from the Bible before saying this whack job shit. Quote, Shenna, I will never have that little boy standing on the doorstep waiting for me when I get home ever again. And you know what? The hardest thing in my life, I forgive you. (gasps) After serving 10 months of her sentence, Narda was released to the open arms of many family members that refused to believe Shenna's story. They claimed that there were too many holes that she wasn't an isolated child. She was a boy-crazy problem teenager. They believe that it was at 13 that Shenna insisted she be able to have a baby of her own, and Narda now claims that she was trying to help her daughter get what she wanted by suggesting the insemination. What in the fuck, dude? So Narda had claimed also that... She was forced into it because Shenna was like, I'm going to run away and go get pregnant on my own. And Narda thought that this was the best solution for... if you guys are going to drink, just do it at home. Like that kind of a thing. Yeah, Yeah. that's what she was like claiming that this is what she thought. So she was like, well, instead of her running away and getting killed or getting a disease or something, why not just let the kids have the party in the basement. You know, yeah. she's ju- just fucked up. So Narda was quoted saying, quote, it took a lot of discussion and encouragement to get his sperm. Women in general manipulate their spouses to get what they want. If anyone would be guilty, it would be me. Meanwhile, Shenna's lawyers are in a civil suit against Goff Children's Services and Akron City Hospital. 
Shun is also being diagnosed with PTSD. She had constant flashbacks. She was medicating with alcohol and drugs and attempted to die by suicide many more times. In her civil trial, Shanna was awarded $4.3 million that she would never see because it was mostly supposed to come from her stepdad and Mm -hmm. he's in prison with nothing. But as prisoners do, Goff appealed and he fucking won his appeal. What? The Ohio Supreme Court awarded him with a new trial. According to the court, there were statements given by Narda to a detective that shouldn't have been allowed during the trial. Remember that detective who was like, I had a conversation with Narda and she said X, Y, Z. That's hearsay. Sure. Yeah. That was allowed to go through to the jury, which is not fair to the defendant. That's what got him a new trial. During the new trial, originally Goff didn't take the stand, but he did take the stand in his own defense this time. Yeah. And he and Narda said the same thing, that it was Shenna who wanted the baby and threatened to run away to get pregnant. Shenna's story stayed the same as she testified. Well, fuck you, John Goff. He was sentenced again to 20 years for rape mm. and five years for sexual battery and child endangerment. He is also ordered to register as a sex offender when he's released. I didn't find anything past that. That was 2006 was the last article that I was able to find. So he should still be in prison. Fuck. Yeah. Gross. Gross. Up next, we have season four, episode 11, Damaged. Season four, episode 11 is going to come out on July 11th. Remember, we're taking a break. Remember from the beginning of the episode when we were going to take a break? We're going to take a break. Mm-hmm. The 11th on the 11th. Ah! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Benson and Stabler are joined by Briscoe in green, dudes from like Law and Order Regular. Law, Law and Order Regular. Yep. When a six year old shooting victim tests positive for a STI. Cool. New York, New York, New York. New York. Follow us on Instagram. Follow us on all social media at mm-hmm. SVU Pod. Join our Facebook group. Oh my God, Gabe posted the other day where she was like, We got some new people in here. Welcome to the fucking Thunderdome. She just loves it in there. I do. What did you call it? What was the bird thing? I wasn't going to acknowledge it because of the bird, bird town stuff, USA. but I was like, <laughs> Bird town. Say like every bird emoji. It's fun. People are fucking hilarious, and we get to like talk further about stuff. If people have questions and whatever, we're in there all the time. Yeah. Also, join our Patreon. Currently, we have three different tiers, all with extra content, all with extra fun-filled jokes and content, and episodes and things we talk about. And that's its own nice little community. Yeah. Email us at svupod at gmail.com. We love stories, crime stories, ghost stories. Gabe likes ghost stories. Tasha does too. You know what? Yeah, I do. And anything you guys send us, if it's like a good story, we're going to read it on a friendship boat on the Patreon. Hashtag little bit loud to find little indie pods. Port small podcasting. Little indie pods. If you know Rihanna, tell her to listen to the podcast and follow us. Oh my God. I don't know why that's like my peak of like, if Rihanna follows us, we've made it. Which I'm not wrong, but also it's just an interesting poll, you know? Yeah. Why not Christopher Maloney? Wouldn't that make more sense? Okay, that's it. Let's go have an itty bitty teeny summer break, Gabe. Yeah. Love Love you, bye. bye. The case went cold and and the city still has the corpse. The case went cold and the case went cold and the... Why? What if we never got past it? What if we city? never got past it? This is the rest of I our lives. I just did it and you were... <laughs> Damn it. I need I six wish... eggs. That's me at the grocery <laughs> store. <laughs>
I need a half a dozen. That's hard to find. Sometimes I do, but they're more expensive. There must be some CSA I can go to. <laughs> Maybe they have it at Aldi's. Let me check. This is dumb. Okay, Stapler <laughs> goes into the room. Was he the Harrison Ford? Like, remember how Harrison Ford was like a fucking stage set builder? And they were like, hey, mm -hmm. do you want to be in this space movie? And he's like, okay. And now he's Harrison Ford. Yeah. <laughs> you want to be in this space movie? <laughs> Pretty cool. <laughs> and to our Elite Squad patrons, Haley K, Sony W, Jenny S, Sky K, Marissa M, Elkie H, Annie G, Mary D, Andrew, Andrew. Rebecca D, Miranda B, Shelby W, Lex Emily T, Kayla W, Mallory G, Bonita R, Marin, Marin, Vanessa, Amy P, Jess M, Summer M, Melanie G, Courtney W, Ursula S, Emily A, Katrina C, Keith, Katrina C, Kate H, Keith J, <laughs> Keith. <laughs> There's no Keith, you guys. That's a joke. Uyana, Nicole R, Julia P, Sapphire. Kayla, Allison B, Catherine M, Kate P, Jessica S, Nicole M, Acacia V, Danielle W, Kelsey D, Jana M, Tammy J, Sarah G, Crystal, Lucy M, Trisha S, Sam D, and Laura D. The double D's. <laughs> Sam and Laura D's nuts! <laughs> All right, we love you and appreciate you, and you make it possible for us to do this stuff, and I think that's really awesome. Love you. Love you.